Welcome back to another episode of People of Product. My name is George Brooks, and on today's episode, I had the pleasure to talk with Matt Thielman. Matt is the CEO of Pylea, and his personal mission is to connect every founder with a coach. Now, I know and this, is a, this podcast isn't all about founders and entrepreneurship. It's actually about people or products. But I think the principles that he talks about in connecting coaches and people that can speak into your life, into your spirit, into your wellness, applies to people on your product team as well. I had such a pleasure exploring um, how do we think about the expertise that you need to be a great coach? What makes a great leader? And what are some things that maybe um, t- it takes to have this posture that means you're willing to learn to be coachable? I think this is a, a massively important conversation for everyone who is either in a, a product management position or a CEO position, a founder position, or even a board position to know how to speak into the lives of the people that they're working with, for, and around. I think you're going to love this conversation, so let's jump straight in. Matt, thank you so much for being on this week's episode. I am really excited to dive into learning more about coaching, founders, how people can do great work. But first, I want you to introduce yourself. Tell us who you are and a little bit about your story. Yeah, thanks, George. I'm also excited. Um, When we first popped on, you told me that I sort of won the won the prize for uh, getting to be on here. So I'm really excited to have won that. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so a little bit about me. I'm the CEO right now of an organization called Pylea. And uh, our fancy tagline is to build without burnout. So at the end of the day, what we're up to, uh, we're on a mission to um, help founders to build companies that we call ecological, which are good for self, good for others, and good for the environment. And to help create companies in which everyone is a leader. And we have a very specific idea or concept of what leadership means. Um, and so what that means on a day-to-day basis is we have an amazing network of coaches, therapists, nutritionists, uh, all sorts of service providers that help mostly founders, but really anyone building something we call, say, we say it's a founder type. So there's a particular type of person who, uh, who is kind of driven in this way, um, anything that they need to help them to be the leader that they need to be, to be successful. And, um, so what else do I want to say about that? I how'd you, how'd you get how'd you get into this space? What led you to yeah. to you know uh, either work with and at Pylea uh, uh, Pylea? I want to say it right. Pylea Pylea Pylea. And actually, I'm super curious about the name Pylea because I know that that's a, a fairly re- recent change. But um, yeah, how did you get into this space, and what what drew you into this world? So I was a marketer coming straight out of college, and. Uh, I'll try to tell this story quickly. I, I started my career in 2008, which was right when people were still talking about is Facebook or Twitter going to be a thing. I was uh, helping our team to decide strategically if we were going to use something like Twitter. And I think Plurk was the name of a Twitter oh, competitor. Yes, at the time, right? I remember. So, so like that was my time, right? Um, I love as, it. As I a marketer. It. And uh, through that helped to create um, strategies whereby I was always sort of saying, look, we have to speak as a human to others. Mm. Um, And we need to think about our marketing strategy in that way. 
what that ended up turning into though, is by uh, about 2014 was I would be going out to dinner with friends and they'd be on their phones and I'd stop and say like, hey, let's, let's have a conversation, let's talk. And I realized I was literally creating during my workday the ads or content that they were reading on their phones and then coming home and saying, don't use that mm. thing. And so there was a bit of me that was like, man, there's a disconnect here. I, yeah. What should I be doing instead? Um, and at that point, I started to think about the idea of mindfulness and bringing mindfulness into corporations as a way to, I, as I thought about at the time, to create people who are the type of leaders I thought the world needed, who could stay focused, who could stay present, who were self-aware. And um, that turned into me saying I offered coaching, which turned into me being a coach, uh, which is its, it's, it's funny how story. just give yourself the title and then and you, and you can do almost anything. <laughs> I love it's it. It's so funny. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not joking. I literally Googled, how do I onboard a coaching client when the first person asked me to be their coach? Um, I quickly realized it's what I'm here for in this lifetime. Like that's, that's sort of my gift to the world right now. And um, I've always had a natural interest in the entrepreneur space, the startup space and people creating big ideas. And uh, it evolved into me saying like, yeah, I want to devote my life to, uh, to the folks building the next thing. And shortly before we came on, I, I told you, I, I have this idea that the companies that we fund and found over the next five years, I think determine the next 50 years of the world. Yeah, of course. Simply because uh, startups change culture so much more quickly than they used to. And I want to get to those folks early on before they have 300 employees when they have three employees. What makes a great leader? Oh, that's like, you just dropped a bomb here. Um, so I'll share what I think leadership is. Okay. So we'll start there. Um, to me, leadership is something that uh, emerges from moment to moment. At any time, we can choose to lead in a moment or we can choose not to. Mm. So a good leader, if I'm going to be very broad here, is someone who is able to be with. It's a very coachy word, but I would say has a capacity to stay open to no matter what the world is bringing them or the moment is bringing them and decide how to act within that. And so... Sometimes that means speaking out or going first. Sometimes it means holding back. Sometimes it means showing our anger or frustration. Sometimes it means managing that and coming with compassion. The answer is it's, it's anything on the spectrum. But to me, tremendous leadership is being able to respond in a moment, no matter what is required. I think that's really good because you, you pointed out a few things that I think of as well in leadership. And one, it, it's being contextually aware like what's going yeah. on around me. Right. And then you said the word decide, which a lot of a leader's job, especially when they actually step into pure leadership, where they're not both the practitioner and the leader at the same time is I now have to make decisions. My job is to decide or to empower other people to decide, which in and of itself is a decision to do so. Um, I think that's, that's really smart. So how do you as a coach, whether it was early days of you figuring out what a coach was or the way that you guys do it now at scale, how do you think about what makes a great coach? Mm. It's, it's very similar aspects actually um, to what I just described. I think about it as we can only take someone as a coach as far as, or as deep as we've gone ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so number one, when a coach asks me what they can do to help me, the number one answer, and I mean this wholeheartedly is work with your own coach mm. because what happens is, for example, 
uh, it's a, yeah, we'll just use an example here. Say I'm working with a CEO or a leader who is having difficulty with someone on their team. Uh, yep. This person drives up something for them. Uh, this person say, doesn't show up to meetings on time. Mm-hmm. Right. And so this uh, founder brings to their coach, Hey, this person's a pain in the ass. They don't show up to meetings on time. If that is also a trigger for the coach, they're not going to be able to support them in a very leadery fashion. If we're going to use that word yeah, because their stuff is in the space. And so the, the best coaches in my perspective are able to see what is their stuff is their feeling or emotion or story separate from the client such that they can still support the client and whatever they need. So that's uh, aspect number one. And I think that's really true for leaders as well. You know, if I'm going to, um, talk to this person about them showing up late to meetings, I need to be emotionally clean of that in order for me to talk to them. I can't blame them for it because, you know, at the end of the day, I'm the one who has the problem. It's really interesting. We, we've talked in the podcast before and and listeners will know that Dan and I have been exploring this idea of, of kind of a a framework of what makes great teamwork. Right. And so Hmm. we refer to it as kind of three pillars of that, just for your context of postures, disciplines, and structures and structures are just the ingredients, the what's your purpose, what resources do you have? What financial resources, what kind of people, the roles that you have in your team, that kind of stuff. That's just the ingredients. It's like what goes into our recipe. The real work is done in your postures and your disciplines. So postures or your thinking, your mindsets, how do you enter the Mm. space? And sometimes we measure that through a thing called the feelings wheel, where we'll literally start every one of our leadership meetings at Crema and many of our retrospectives with our clients or uh, one-on-ones with our employees. We'll start with pull up the feeling wheel, feelings wheel. Give me two. How are you entering Mm. the space right now? What's going on? And the first time I ever did the feelings wheel with my one-on-ones, it was amazing how everyone in the team had the exact same two feelings and they were both anxious and they were excited and come to find out neurologically, like it's the same spot in the brain. You experience anxiousness is the same thing as excitement. It's just how you funnel it. And I think that's what a great leader knows how to do is to understand what, how am I entering this space? as I'm about to give feedback or coaching or direction or purpose to my team or to my peers. And then the same thing with a coach, right? How am I entering the space as I'm going to listen to this founder, talk about what they're going through or not talk about what they're going through and hiding it. And I have to pull it out of them, you know? Yeah. Um, so I'm curious how you seem like you you think a lot about the mindfulness of the whole person when you think about coaching and leadership how does that mindset, that leadership, how do you take inventory of those types of things with, with your, either through your coaching or, or just leaders in general? How should they think about that? It's interesting because I, I, I started to get away from the word mindfulness in my work mm. because I have a perspective that everything is mindfulness. Yeah. If I invite a client to become aware of anything, um, that to me is an aspect of mindfulness. Am I aware of what's happening in the moment? And I think it's important to note, this might be particularly important for your audience, that it's not just what's going on in our minds, but it's really in our body and our sensations as well. This is why and I like the word posture, because that's actually about body and mind at the yes, same time. Yes, yeah. I, I really love it. And, and actually, when you said that, I, I think I like pulled my shoulders back. So I was sitting <laughs> Everybody does. Yeah. yeah. But it is. It's about how you carry yourself into a space. And so the, the way that I think about it 
in the way that I, that I help create awareness, there's a very simple coaching tool that anyone can use. That is simply, we start with, where am I right now? Mm. Where do I want to go? By the way, what do I want is arguably the most difficult question in the history of humanity. I will make an assertion today. So that in itself can be a tremendous coaching opportunity. Um, but we'll say we got there. I'm here and I want to get here. And then we ask what's in the way or what's yeah. on the way. Yeah. What's the gap? And the, the place to start to look at this, for example, mindset, feelings, stories, trauma, mm -hmm. any of that is, is as we navigate the, the stuff uh, in between, in the gap. And it has to come from my perspective when we have a thing we're moving toward, a place we want to get to, or we can think about it as sort of like something to push against. Like that's why we set goals. Yeah. Set a goal because we want a thing, but we also set a goal because it helps us to grow uh, as a human being and, and give us stuff to look at as, as our growth edge. It's interesting. I think you're, you're using similar language that some of the product people or the technology people listening might think of as a retrospective, right? So a retro is a, is a ceremony in the agile world of basically saying what's going well. So effectively, where are we now? Yeah. What's not going well or, or what do we need to address and how can we work better together? Meaning what's the, what's the vision that, what, what if, what is the world that we imagine in the future? Um, I've, I've been cautious and I'm kind of curious when you think about leaders and goal setting, I've kind of pulled away personally a little bit from like explicit goal setting because goals are, are constantly moving forward. And I found that many of the leaders that I worked with, or even myself, if I'm honest, I want to be transparent, I would set a goal. And if I didn't hit it, my identity was challenged. If I did hit it, my identity was challenged because it was like, now what am I supposed to do? Totally. How do you think about goals for leaders as they are, are trying to pull themselves forward, at least creating that chasm, that gap of moving forward, but being self-aware of where things are now? Yeah, that's such a great point. Um, and first of all, nothing wrong with, with that relationship to goals. Very often mine, I think that's when we are if not born with, we inherit very quickly yeah. in this culture, at least. Um, I, I would say, so there's an opportunity there to notice this is my relationship to goals. Either I hit it and I, my identity is challenged or I don't, my identity is challenged. Either way, I lose. Um, to, in fact, say, how might I create my relationships with goals so that I win? Mm, good. And, and so as to say, okay, what meaning or impact could a goal have in my life? Why would I create goals? And so- yeah. Then, then there's strategy around that. The strategy for if I don't hit it, I'll notice that my identity is challenged to say, oh, what, I, what do I actually want to make it mean that I didn't hit my goal? Oh, I can make it mean that I learned something, that I didn't yet have the resources I needed, that it isn't the time yet. We literally get to create that reality. Yeah, that's um, so good. There's no answer. It's all made up. And the same for we achieve it. We can say I achieved it. Great. What do I want that to mean about me? How do I want to now shift my goal? Do I want to grow? like that goal and, and still strive, or do I want to kind of dial back? Now I get to choose, uh, choose what I do next. And I, this to me goes back to that question of what do I want? I believe it's such a difficult question to answer because it is, it's quite confronting to acknowledge that we have entire, the entire responsibility for that question or that answer is on us, that nothing else exists and we get to choose it that's a big thing to, to come to terms with and brings up lots of emotions. 
you said at the outset that your mission is to connect every founder with a coach, right? Yeah. Tell me more about that mission. And, you know, we've been talking about leadership and kind of the principles that might drive through what, what a great leader is and aware leader is and how, what a great coach is and how those might connect. What does that look like for you trying to bring this world of coaching to this crazy world of being an entrepreneur or a founder, or even a founding's hype person or an entrepreneur thinker? What does that look like? Yeah, what it looks like for me is I'm learning that I can't do it all myself. So that's a personal answer. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And and so what that means is enrolling a lot of people into this vision. And so that's actually why I'm here, right? Is that's part of the reason that I'm here is to help help share this. So what that means to me, if every founder has a coach, what that means to me is that um, everyone working on making big changes in the world, as far as I or you know becoming an upstart or creating something new for themselves mm-hmm. has acknowledged that support is good for them. They mm. have acknowledged that they can grow as a human. They have the humility to ask for help. And they believe that my intention and what I have found generally happens is they also believe that that's true for their team. When yeah. CEOs have coaches, they generally then as they grow, bring that to their team, which means that everyone gets to take advantage. So that's on the founder side. What it also means on the coach side is we have amazing coaches who are leading the world who can provide value to those founders. And that's just as big of a mission in itself to have thousands, if not tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of coaches around the world who are playing this game at a high level. And that to me also is, is really exciting. We have to start up years ago. Um, the, the basic idea is it was such a perfect like South by Southwest launch back in the day when that was like super hot. Right. Yeah. And effectively the, the basic idea was pay anything for anything. And I know that sounds like just like a marketplace, but the idea yeah. was like, I can, I can offer, I can put out on the internet. I'll pay someone a hundred dollars to bring me the best cheeseburger in the next five minutes. If you don't show up in five minutes, I'm going to, you know, that kind of thing. So it's South by, it just became really weird as a side note. But what was incredible, and I think I'm going back to what you're, you're providing, you kind of have a two-sided, we'll call it a marketplace or two-sided connection, right? That I have to assume there is a high demand for founders going, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I need help, mm-hmm. right? I need someone to guide me through this that's been through this before. I'm now stepping into roles that when I was just playing with an idea, I just thought the idea was cool. Now I've got a team of people and all these people care. And now that I'm responsible for them, like it just gets layered and layered and layered and layered. So the demand is high. But what we found with this startup that we were helping with was they had no problem with demand. They would always tout their vanity metrics. Uh, We have millions of dollars of offers on the table for people willing to spend money on the stupidest things, right? What they couldn't find was the supply to fulfill that demand. So it sounds to me like you said, that's, that's almost as big of a challenge. It's almost as big of a thing to say, how can I find people that are really good at this thing called coaching or this, this, uh, you know, whether they're therapist or nutritionists or, you know, um, whatever it is, how do you, how do you find people that are really great at, at doing that? I'm kind of curious, how do you find those people? Yeah, you nailed it. And the interesting thing is uh, it's not only a good coach, it's a good coach or the right coach for the person at the right time. 
for yeah, where they no are. No pressure there. So three, yeah. win, 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 if you can pull it off. Cause it's not only this person's good for you, but this person's good for you at this point in your career path and this point in your company's growth, you know, they have the context that'll be appropriate now. Exactly. Um, and you're going to be a yes to them as a coach or as a founder, right? Because by the way, a lot of people want help, but then they don't actually want help. So there's, there's that whole thing. But we there's don't the whole, are you them. actually coachable? Yeah, yeah, I get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what, thankfully, we also don't have a, a supply problem as far as coaches who want to work with us. Great. Um, so we have a lot of coaches who are interested or really fortunate because people are really passionate about working with startups and about our mission. So that's great. Yeah, yeah awesome. Um, but as one thing that we've noticed over the last few months, and in fact, we shifted our model the last few months so that we now offer significant training and leadership development resources for our coaches. So we'll, we, uh, every month we have trainings on our products. Every month we have consultations for coaches to support each other and get feedback on challenging clients. So they can see exactly kind of the hook that I talked about earlier about like, Hey, it sounds like this client's annoying you, you know, what do you want to do with that? All right. Um, they, we have a practice lab where they get to get live feedback on their coaching in the moments, coaching other coaches, which is that's so talk great. about, I think is the best way to, to um, improve our skills. And so we're really investing in our coach, uh, our coach network and ecosystem in a massive way. I, I want us to have, I want to be the preeminent coaching training for startups in the world. That's my other vision. Um, as far as kind of the tactical side, when folks apply, or if we find them, they interview with either me or our co-founder, uh, and then they do a sample session with at least one person on our leadership team. We have a scorecard we evaluate every coach with, and they have to pass that, or they can become a sort of a trial person, but we were really intentional about designing and finding coaches that fit what we need at the time. This language of coaching has been something that Krim has been experimenting with for a while now. We, we do, effectively we do agile coaching, which is primarily for product managers, for leaders that are thinking about, I know that my team ought to be working a certain way. I've read all the books, uh, you know, I've watched all the, the podcasts, you know, that doesn't make sense. I've watched all the videos, I've, I've listened to all the podcasts and yet it's still not working. And I'm not sure why, like we do a stand up every day. We have a scrum meeting, we have a backlog and, and the, it's different when you sit next to someone who says, yeah, I know we've been there, did that, do that every day. And being able to walk with them to say, Hey, let me just, let, let's not fix everything right now. Mm. Let, let's, let's break this down a little bit and say, okay, I understand you're doing that. Let me ask you some questions and, and learning how to do that with a posture of humility with a posture of empathy to say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm there with a posture of patience um, because yeah. there are times where it's like, you are not hearing what we're saying, are you? <laughs> and uh, so I think that's really great. And honestly, that training is so needed because I think we, we assume just because you've been there that you can talk to other people about doing it as well. Or maybe just because you've written a book about it, you can speak intelligently about it or whatever. Um, it sounds like that training really equips people to think through a framework of how to do it well. For sure. First of all, I want to acknowledge, I really loved you, like slowed down there as you acted the part of coach, which really kind of brought some good peace and, and uh, awareness to the room and to the space. So that was great. Um, yeah. And in fact, there is, I think this is actually probably pretty helpful in, in your people is there, there's sometimes an idea that our coach has to have been there in order to help us. Oh, interesting. And, yeah. and I challenge that not only because 
I haven't done everything and That's I literally fair. couldn't do everything. You just have to self-justify it. I get it. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> you caught me. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> no, it's good. Yeah. I get it. But there is sometimes a, a knowledge trap that you pointed to, right? Yeah. Which is, yeah. I did this, so do this. And so we have to watch out for that. Yeah. And so, so my coach has done business in the way that I am. She's a tremendous coach. She gets the philosophy of coaching. Um, but she can ask really, I want to say, quote, dumb questions of me that have me rethink things because she doesn't always know what I'm in. And that sometimes is the most powerful reflection or thing that we need. And so I often tell very brilliant founders, tech founders especially, uh, and operators especially, when they say, I, need, I want someone who's like 10 years past, who's built this, I say, I don't think that's what you need. Mm-hmm. Ignorance can be bliss. Yes. I, I, I mean, I'm with you actually. So I started Crema when I was 24 years old. I, I, the only job I'd ever had previous to this in the, in the career of being a designer was working for a three-person little mission-driven organization marketing agency. It was, it was mm. super, super small, uh, of which I pretty much just cut out the backgrounds of people's photos to put on like these profile cards. I mean, that's all I had done in my career. And then I started a company. I had no business being in the business, right? Mm -hmm. But that ignorance allowed me to do things in the most creative ways possible because I didn't know how not to do it, right? And I think there's something really powerful for someone to walk in and to say, yes, I haven't been the exact same situation you have been, but I do, I do know how to ask some good questions. Mm -hmm. I do know how to talk to another human being and bounce things or be, being a person that you can bounce ideas off of, you know, that I I'm, I'm hundred percent on board with you there. That's so good. And by the way, I noticed that you think that I need to be an expert for you to listen to me. I'm curious, how does that show up with your team? Mm. How does that show up in the way that you listen to the people who offer you ideas in your team? You think that's getting in the way? The power of the questions. Yeah, yeah that's so good. What? Okay. So you mentioned it earlier. Some founders don't want to be coached. Hmm. And let's be honest. I mean, I, I'm an entrepreneur. I went into the services business because one, it's less risky, if we're honest, because you can, mm -hmm. you can immediately pay someone or have someone pay you to do the thing they just don't want to do right now, right? That's effectively what services offer. Yeah. Um, versus into the product world or maybe the tech world where you're, you're making a big risky bet on saying, I'm going to spend a lot of money and time and effort and energy to create a product or a service or a resource that I hope and believe that will change the world at some point. And we'll figure out at some point along the lines, whether or not there's traction and if it's working, if it's, if it's going anywhere, which takes an unreasonable amount of confidence. So I think you can over-index on confidence, right? And that's what founders often do because they have to be confident enough to get their VCs involved and to believe in them, to recruit those first employees. You're going to take a risk on some new brand new company that no one's ever heard of and to get customers to buy into their vision. The humility, so I, I, I hold uh, humble confidence is like the most masterful tension that exists in mm. the human experience. Humility requires us to say, I don't know everything. I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to be wrong. Where do you see founders getting it wrong or being willing to recognize that they're wrong as they approach thinking about needing a coach or 
maybe not recognizing they do need a coach. There is always a place of pain in our lives. Hmm. I'll just make an assertion, right? So for some founders, it might be, I keep losing employees. It might be, I'm not sleeping. It might be, I'm not eating. It might be, this thing isn't happening fast enough. And this is to say, I'm not, this is not like, I don't, there's an important word in coaching and impossibility called enrollment, mm-hmm. which is different from selling someone something they don't want. Yes. So as coaches, um, what we tend to, to do is either find the pain point and push on that a bit and say, hey, what might life, we create possibility from that. What might life be like without this pain point? Yeah. And do you want help with it? Or two, if a lot of founders will come to us, since they have such incredible visions, we'll say, hey, great. Do you want some help creating that? So you want your employees to be extraordinarily happy. How are they right now? Mm-hmm. Can you measure it? And, mm-hmm. if, and if it's not where you want it to be, how does that help create your vision in the world? How might that feel? How might that affect you? So it's, a, it's really a curiosity and an exploration with every individual person to figure out what's important to them and to enroll them into a possibility that is inspiring enough that they are willing to manage the fear that comes with it. Because with possibility always comes an equal and opposite amount of fear. Whether you're over-indexed on confidence or humility or anything, it's a human experience. The fear still exists. It's just how far have you shoved it down? Yeah. So I get it. Yep. Yeah. 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 So, so that's it. And I have to say, not everyone is willing to be in that conversation, but if people are, Mm-hmm. you know, we can some, we can get enough of them to say yes. And then from there, I believe that the culture broadly starts to change so that the water that we're swimming in is just more open and amenable to coaching. Do you see common themes that are entry points for founders that, I mean, you kind of mentioned a few of them there, whether it's, um, you know, fostering a culture in their environment, um, making decisions, I guess, what are, what are those common themes for founders that they often go, it's at this point that I'm ready to start asking the question that I need some help. I need, I need some perspective. Yeah. Super early founders is, um, I'm hiring for any founder I'm hiring a team or growing a team. And I don't know how to do that. Mm -hmm. Or my leadership team is growing and they're not, they're not set up to be leaders. Mm -hmm. So that's a, it's an amazing time. Um, you know, how do I onboard, excuse me, how do I onboard 20 people in the next six months or six weeks after I raise my series a, um, it is, I talked a little bit about the physical, mental, emotional pain. So not Mm -hmm. sleeping, not eating, et cetera, et cetera. We can, we can track burnout. And then another part is, uh, co-founder stuff. If you're constantly in a fight with your co-founder, that's a pretty big pain point. And uh, we can start to look at it. The, the, the other thing is starting to, is we just often provide mirrors to folks. We'll do workshops and we call entrepreneur super, uh, superpowers and super struggles. Okay. We'll say to someone like, Hey, you might be really apt to have a bunch of great ideas, move on them really quickly, but then your interest fades away and you move on to the next thing. That's great for starting a company. And really like it really useful at the beginning, but as you grow your team, guess what? Your team's going to get annoyed with you. Uh, you're going to get annoyed because you have to focus on one thing. If you don't take care of that, you're not going to scale this thing. So we can start to do a little bit of future predicting with folks just by shining a mirror up about what might happen. And once they have that awareness, they're like, yeah, let's talk some more. 
Matt, are you, are you holding up a mirror to me right now? Is this, <laughs> is this what's happening? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I can resonate with that. I mean, that was my story, right? I'm the, I literally my high school, like handle was concepts guy. Cause I was always just coming up with a new concept for something new. Right. Mm. And not chasing the shiny objects, but just annoyingly curious. And so that curiosity was always leading me to try new things and experiment and find more better ways to do things, which was great in the early days when we were seven people, eight people. Well, we're on our way to being almost a 60 person agency. Systems and processes and norms are good. Mm-hmm. And George should get out of the way. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. And so I actually went through, I mean, and I've had, I have a coach, uh, actually a couple coaches that I've used through this process, but Dan and I, my business partner and I went through a process over the last four years to be on a mission to replace ourselves. Mm. And we said, we don't want to be the bottleneck of our company's growth, not only just to hire people, but if every decision still has to go through us, or if I'm leading every strategy session, like you've talked about, like where you've built out a network, or if I'm designing every screen still, then yeah. The literally the growth is contained by the number of hours in the day and how willing am I to not sleep, you know? Yeah. And I wrote an article back when medium was just kind of first blowing up and it was the, the title of it was, um, the two questions I ask every entrepreneur, which is, are you sleeping and are you eating? Cause if you're sleeping, you've created systems that help you to get some rest and allow people to, to take on, you built up a team so you can actually hand some things off. And if you're eating, you found figured out a business model. So at least you can pay for some food. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so it's just a simple idea, but I think for Dan and I to hand that off when, when people used to hire George and Dan, and they happen mm. to have this organization called Crema, but to flip it on its head and say, no. I want them to hire Crema, which is this incredible product studio. And it happens to be run by these guys named George and Dan, I think. Like that's when an organization, a vision, a purpose has taken on a life its own. Um, and I found a lot of leaders struggle to make that transition. Like you said, that, that, that they don't know how to do that because it's always been them. It's always been their vision, their purpose, their activity. Um, yeah, so I'm just... Yeah, I'm resonating with a lot of what you're saying yeah. because I've been there. I've had to go through that. And I had people had to have people speak. And it was a mentor, a coach that told me, you better start replacing yourself. Because if well, Krim is I, ever going to be someplace else, it has to be not you, not just you. I want to take a second to acknowledge you for what I heard the word that you mentioned earlier is humility to, and you talked about like, you know, dealing with your own identity crises. Like there's a potential that there's a massive hole if it's no longer... Uh, Dan and George and this this agency, but rather the other, right? There's a lot of humility that has to happen in that. Um, and I really get that that part about you that's always curious. That a part of my essence is seeker. Yeah. And so I really get that. And, and I hear, so when I talk about like this, this that predilection, that natural way of, of operating, it's, it's a superpower if we can channel it effectively. And so what I heard is you channeled it into deeper processes into ways that you can support the team rather than looking outward. There's a distinction my a good friend has called new versus nuance. Mm. And so like moving more towards nuance versus always looking for the new thing. And it sounds like you're, you're really on that path. It's a journey. Let's, let's be honest. Um, but it's, yeah. it's, it's a good one. And I, I think that I, I love your language. I just want to give you some credit as well, because th- 
one of great coaches, and I think you, you've definitely are modeling this, have this ability to say, this is what I'm hearing to, mm-hmm. to it's kind of that three-way communication, that ability to speak it back to someone to say, do you even know that you're saying this? Do you hear yourself? Um, and, and I, I, that's a superpower in and of itself. So you've got this down really, really well. I, I'm curious what, what's something, you know, you're, you're, I don't, how long has, um, your organization been operating, uh, I guess under the new name or in this, this kind of new level. Yeah. yeah. Tell me, tell me about that a little bit. Atlas kicked off in 2018, okay. um, spun out of a, a fund called Alpha Bridge Ventures in San Francisco. Great. Um, and um, I joined as a coach in 2019, late 2019, uh, and I became CEO this year. And we just rebranded two months ago to Pylea. So we're now Pylea. Folks might know us as Atlas before that, but we've been around since 2018. What? <clears throat> it sounds like you've got a, bo- a model that is brilliant, you know, because there's a, there is a big need and you've got, you've got all these really brilliant, uh, thoughtful, inten- inte- integral and intentional people that want to, to fill that need. What are you excited about? What's the thing that you go, man, this is why I wake up in the morning. I'm pumped for this happening, either in your company or in your industry, in the space, in the world. What is it? I had a conversation with uh, an amazing coach partner in Thailand on Saturday, and we got on and he said, hey, uh, um, I know you have this mission to bring a coach to every founder. He just goes, I think it's an inevitability. Mm. And so to hear a coach who's in our network, who believes that and just holding that possibility for the world saying, this is the direction we're going. And I also believe that, by the way, like that, every time I meet a coach who is in alignment or a VC, anyone who's in alignment with Rob2, that, that is what gets me up every day to have people who believe what we believe. We're um, in the process internally of designing a program called Build Without Burnout. That will be a, an online course plus group coaching that will be a really good entry-level way for founders or founder types who are maybe skeptical about or just don't have the funds to pay for a one-on-one coach right now and want to start to understand maybe even before they start their company, how can they set up their mind, body, energy so that they can sort of survive and thrive as a founder. So we're really excited to bring that, that to the world. Um, and the other thing that I'm really thinking about, this is brand new, is what happens as blockchain continues to uh, sort of change how the financial world works mm. and how do we support all of that new stuff. I'm thinking about blockchain. I'm thinking about um, influencers on TikTok, Instagram, et cetera. And I'm thinking about folks who sell things on Amazon, which are now, they're now being funds developed specifically to buy those companies. So all of those are new venture backed things that are pretty new that I'm really excited about. Like if the world of entrepreneurs is expanding, that means we have more people to, to serve. So that's really cool. I'm I love Simon Sinek talks about the fact that, you know, that the, the self-help section in the bookstores is, has no lack of resources. Yeah. And we, we've created an ecosystem, uh, an environment, uh, a culture, a society that's based off of only what's important to me. Mm. Right. And all, all of it is about the identity of, of self and self-worth self purpose. And, and I'm not saying it's anything less than those things. Those things are fine. Those things are good. But I think what I love about what you're doing, and, and he, Cynic talks about this, is that you're trying to create an environment that, and he goes into this, that says, how can I serve someone else? How can I help 
my fellow man. You know, this, this, this big audacious goal of saying we could actually help each other. Why isn't there a help others section mm. in the, in the, in the, 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 whatever we call it now, I guess, Amazon store. It's not, it's not a bookstore yeah. anymore. You know, I was I mean? in Barnes and Noble a couple of weeks ago. Okay. In so the they still section. Yeah. 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 Right. <laughs> but that's what I'm getting at is like, we're all, we all want to have this like silver bullet to, to fix ourselves. But what he gets at is actually the silver bullet oftentimes is how do we serve others? And that we actually in the process, learn a lot about ourselves, a lot about the world and a lot about the good or the possibilities of what could be if we actually did care enough to help each other. Um, I'm like, man, I want that world. <laughs> I yeah. want that world so bad. Thanks for bringing that. Simon Sinek is uh, one of my, when I first started doing this work, someone who highly influenced the work that I do. And um, one of our values at Pylea, uh, all of our values start with B because we think they're always playing out in action. They're, they're things that we aspire to is to be generous and generative. And we fundamentally believe that if we're generous, we'll grow the pie for everyone. So we'll, there's naturally more to go around if we are generous. And so thank you for, for seeing that. I, it's one of our values as well. Generosity is, is right there at the top. So generosity, those are, Dan and I kind of have, you're not supposed to have your favorite values, but we totally do. And um, so Dan's is definitely generosity and I love it as well. Mine's constant improvement. Just assuming mm. that we haven't arrived. If we just assume that we're not all that special at where we're at right now, but we have the potential to be better, I think we could all move forward a little bit better. Matt, this has been an awesome conversation. I think we're talking a lot about founders, but I think it it's true for anyone who's in, in a leadership role, anyone who is in a, an influencer role, anyone who's trying to help others, um, is that if you're trying to help someone else, why wouldn't you also seek out help to do it better yourself? Um, so I hope that people are hearing what you're saying and, and can apply it not only if, well, I'm not a founder, but I think it's true for product managers. I think it's true for senior designers. I think it's true for junior designers that are helping the apprentice back in college or whatever that is. There's always this kind of master apprentice relationship that can, can be systemic throughout the way that we help each other. And I appreciate you both doing the work and also facilitating that work being done. Same. Right back at you. Thank you, George. Well, Matt, I want to I want to allow you to get the plug. So we've already talked a little bit about the organization, but where can people learn more about you and the company and what you're doing? Yeah, so we are at joinpilea.com and we're on all of the socials there, Twitter, Instagram, I don't know, whatever my team sets up. But <laughs> that's right. We're, that's we're right. all over the place there. And um, folks can email me, anyone who wants to talk can email me at matt at joinpilea.com. It's pretty easy and I'm happy to have a conversation with anyone who's more, who's interested in talking more about this. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the episode today. And again, thank you. Thank you for this work. It, this is the world needs this. So thank you for doing it. And um, thanks for being here today. My pleasure. Thanks, George. This episode of People of Product was produced by Larissa McCarty with the support of Gabby Caton, Julie Branson, and Alexa Alfonso. Our hosts are George Brooks and Daniel Linhart. People of Product is brought to you by Crema, a digital product agency. We believe that creativity, technology, and culture can help individuals and organizations thrive. Learn more at crema.us.